Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. We are so excited to be with you today. Our lovely wife, Nancy, is here. Would you give her a good welcome? This is Nancy. We have been sweethearts since the second grade. As a matter of fact, the first time I asked her to marry me, we were playing on the monkey bars at recess in second grade. And so anyway, we were sweethearts on and off all the way through uh, elementary school, junior high, and high school. Once we got to high school, never dated anybody else. And so uh, the Lord has really blessed us, and we're very excited to be with you today. And we're very excited because of all the wonderful things that God is doing in your area, in your region, through Calvary Assembly. Pastor Sawyer has been a, an amazing, amazing leader all these years. And so wait, listen, how many of you are glad you got an awesome pastor? Absolutely. And, uh, and we have known uh, Pastor Josh and Kimmy for many, many years, since like 2001 or something like that. So these guys are awesome as well. So we're very, very delighted to be with you today. And I want to uh, go ahead and give you a little bit of the, the I, can, I can't tell you our whole story because it would take way too long. But uh, I do want to kind of give you a little bit of our testimony today. We're going to be talking about how to navigate, navigating the storms of life. That's, that's basically the subject, the title today, Navigating the Storms of Life. And if you want to go ahead and turn your Bible, we're going to be looking into a text in Matthew chapter 14 uh, here in just a few moments. But I want to give you a little bit of uh, just kind of, a, kind of the Cliff Notes version of, of our story. And uh, so after eight years of struggling and battling with infertility, our first child was born and we won the war against infertility and all of a sudden... Our son Colton was born and for, and life was suddenly perfect. But that perfection only lasted about two hours. Because when I went to the nursery to bring him back to the room, he was not there. They had to rush him to intensive care because he was born with five heart defects. And so when I got there and saw him, uh, he was literally just covered with wires and tubes and all kinds of stuff in this glass uh, halo thing over his head helping him breathe. And it was, it was so scary. The nurse basically said to me, we think he will survive in the ambulance to get downtown to the children's hospital. And I thought, you're trying to encourage me, but that's not encouraging. You're, you're telling me that he could die any minute. And so anyway... Long story short, Colton's first heart surgery was when he was seven days old. Uh, about a year later, a little over a year later, year and a half later, when he was 17 months old, he had his a major, very complex, semi-experimental uh, open heart surgery correction to try to correct those five problems. And, uh, and so that was very, very scary. Then a year after that, when he was a toddler, Nancy almost died from an autoimmune disease that that uh, took her years to recover from. It was six months before her doctors would even tell her they thought she was going to live and survive. And so uh, she was bedridden for a long time, couldn't even feed herself for several, several times. It was, it, was, it was very difficult. And, uh, and so, but anyway, after a couple of years, she got through that and we prayed and, and the Lord uh, basically led us. We wanted to expand our family, but pregnancy was not an option anymore. And so we decided to, to pray about it. And the Lord said, I want you to adopt so we prayed about it. The Lord led us to adopt a baby girl from China. 
And so uh, the Lord directed our steps very, very specifically to a child because they kept losing our paperwork and we had to start all over again. And our the girl that we adopted wasn't even born until a year after we started the paperwork because they kept losing it and losing it and messing it up and whatever. And God kept saying, I am directing your steps. And so two weeks after her first birthday, they placed Anna Grace in our arms in China. And so we were so excited. And then 30 days after we got back to the United States, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. So she was a, she was a patient at St. Jude uh, for a year and a half with active chemo and radiation treatments. They said she had less than 15% chance of even living. And if she did live, she would probably be a mental vegetable, basically just with no, no ability to walk, talk, feed herself, any of those kind of things. And so after that, my son Colton had several other heart surgeries. By the time he was 17 years old, he had six open heart surgeries by the time he was 17. Two of those open heart surgeries, the last two were within the same week. Does anybody know anybody that has had two open heart surgeries in the same week? My hand is not up because I don't know anybody else other than Colton that's done that. And so about a year ago, we had a couple of scares with Anna Grace and a couple of scares with Colton. About a year ago, I almost died from a massive heart attack. And then three months after that, I was diagnosed with two brain aneurysms. Now, everything that I just talked about happened while we were fulfilling the call of God on our life and serving the Lord full-time in ministry. And about 80% of everything that I just told you happened while we were pastoring Cornerstone Church in South Haven. And so uh, I had a few unanswered questions. Like, Lord, what in the world? And so anyway, the, but the, 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 here, here's the, the good part of the testimony is this. Colton, who was very, very uh, precarious in his life and didn't know if he was going to live and all those heart surgeries and everything, he just turned 30 years old this past summer. He is not only healthy, he's actually athletic. Uh, he is, they said that would never happen. But uh, anyway, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Krav Maga. If you know anything about martial arts, Krav Maga is Israeli hand-to-hand combat that they actually train their soldiers with. And he's third level Krav Maga. And uh, so uh, don't try to whip Colton. <laughs> it wouldn't be a good thing to do. And uh, anyway, so uh, Nancy is actually in incredible health today. They didn't know she was going to live or not. And they said, if you do live, you'll be on all these medicines all the rest of your life. She's not on those medicines anymore. She is in great health. God has touched her body. Anna Grace, who had very little chance of living, is now 22 and a half years old. She's, she's finished three years of college. She's engaged to be married. And she is the most beloved employee at her job. And the cardiologist told me he was absolutely amazed that after a massive heart attack that literally almost took me twice in the same night, he said that you have absolutely zero damage to your heart function whatsoever. None. So every, and you say, well, yeah, but what about those aneurysms? Well, they're there, but the God is healing them, I believe, and they're small and low risk, and you can put that on your prayer list if you'd like to. <laughs> can't stack up too much prayer. But anyway, the point being that every storm that God has brought us to, he brought us through in victory on the other side. And one of the biggest miracles is that anything ever happened at Cornerstone Church because I was kind of distracted. 
for the last several decades. But God really blessed our church, and we were able to go multi-site and expand across North Mississippi. And, and so God has always brought us through. But here's the thing. The Lord showed me a, a few years ago that the reason that he allowed all of this in our lives was to not... See, everything I thought was trauma, God saw as training. He was preparing us for the season that we're stepping into now. And our new call, we have such a compassion for people that are struggling and going through hard things and going through hard times. And the Lord has, has taught us so many powerful practical lessons that our calling now is to share not only the story, but the lessons from the scriptures that God taught us that caused us to be able to not only survive, but thrive in our storm. And so if you're here this morning, I'm believing that God is going to plant some great seed in your life. And if you know someone that is struggling, then I believe that you're going to be able to share some things today, some very practical, powerful truths. And so let's look into the scriptures today. Um, you know, me, we see many times in, in the scriptures where that God allows a storm to come into people's lives to prepare them for something greater on the other side of the storm. The Bible is filled with accounts of how God works to move his people forward and further along the pathway of his will for their lives. And so today's message will be a prime example of that. Let's look into Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 and, and following. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word, the principles of your word, the anointing that rests on it. Lord, as we speak your word, the power of God resonates in the atmosphere around us. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, today you know every one of our needs. You know exactly what we're facing. You know exactly what we're going through, what we've been through, what we're about to face. And I pray that you would plant the exact seed of truth in us today that we will need to navigate the storms of life 
and come out stronger on the other side. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name that everybody said. All right. This text follows immediately after Jesus had miraculously multiplied fish and loaves to feed a huge gathering of over 5,000 men. And so there's far more material in this text than we would have time to explore in a single message or even a series of messages, but we're going to focus on some of the main points today. So uh, if you're a note taker, I encourage you to do that. Uh, today, the first, the first focus point will be this. You need to monitor your mindset. Monitor your mindset. And this talks of the priority of our perspective. And for this, we want to look at the instruction that Jesus gave them. On the surface, it sounded kind of like a simple instruction where he was just saying, Hey guys, get in the boat, go on over, I'll be there in a little bit. But as the scene develops, it becomes obvious that there is far more going on here than, than what you see on the surface. Jesus already knew what this night was going to accomplish in the lives of his disciples. And they had no clue about it. You see, we have to, we have to monitor our mindset and, and understand something that God is calling all of us on a journey. I don't believe he was just talking to the disciples and saying, Hey, it's time for y'all to cross over. I believe that he is calling every single one of us to continue to move forward and cross over and cross over and move into the best version of ourselves that he created us to be. And so we, you know, we love comfort. We love just being able to chill and, and we don't understand sometimes that God is calling us on a journey. You look through all the, the scriptures. Everywhere you look in your Bible, God is calling his people on a journey. He is moving his people forward. And so we have to understand that. And so in the original language here, uh, I love, I'm a kind of a geek because uh, I love to dig into the Greek. And so uh, in the original language, in that phrase where it says, I want you to cross over to the other side, the root word of the Greek in that means to pierce through something. And to go farther. Now what does that say? What does that tell us? If the, if, the, if the word there says you need to pierce through something, what does that mean? That means there's a barrier there that you're going to have to pierce through. I don't, I don't know about you, but every time I've made a decision in my life to walk closer to the Lord, there was always an obstacle that jumped up in front of me trying to keep me from moving forward. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? The time that you probably said, Lord, I'm going to get up early and pray. I'm going to get up an hour early and pray. And you got the best night of sleep you ever got that night. And man, you couldn't hardly wake up. And so the next night you said, I'm going to get up early and pray. I'm going to get up an hour early. And you accidentally set your alarm for 5 p.m. instead of 5 a.m. You know, so we know what it is. You're going to experience some things in life. And so he's calling us to pierce through every barrier that is hindering us. But for us to do that, we have to identify our barriers. What is it that is hindering you from moving forward in your walk with God? Whatever that is, he is calling you to pierce through that barrier and walk closer and closer and closer to him. And so we've got to identify our barriers. So uh, to go farther always indicates that there's more waiting for us on the other side. We're all going to face barriers. But he's calling us to cross over. You know what? The call of God on our lives is never to sit satisfied and stagnate. 
His call is always to move forward, to grow, and to become everything he's called us to be. And so after the feeding of the 5,000, I'm sure that the disciples would have loved. Man, that was an awesome miracle to witness and to be a part of. I'm sure they would have loved to have just chilled out with Jesus on the side of the mountain. And talked about, man, wasn't that cool when, what Jesus was doing? But he didn't allow them just to do that. He had a plan for them, and he sent them into a storm. I understand that. <laughs> We've been sent into the storm a number of times, and specifically with, with Anna Grace because of the fact that, that uh, he, he guided our steps to this specific child. And I am so blessed and so grateful that he did. But I'm going to tell you something. When we got that diagnosis of brain cancer, I had a conversation with God. A conversation that I had to repent of. Because I was like, Lord, I don't understand this. And so anyway, he's calling us to, to, to move on. You know what? Some storms in our lives are of our own brewing. Anybody ever heard of... Anybody ever heard of someone that made a dumb decision and had a storm blow up in their life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't say you need to point at each other. I'm just saying hey, you, all of our hands should be up because we know what that is. We know what it means. And it makes sense to us. If I make a stupid decision or I fall into sin and I have a problem because of that, it makes sense to me. But I tell you what really messes with us where we really have to monitor our mindset is when the plan of God and walking in obedience to his word takes you right into the storm. That is something that we have difficulty with. But the reason is because of our mindset. We can't live with a comfort mindset. We can't live with a mindset that prioritizes our comfort all the way at the top of the list. We have to monitor that mindset and realize that God has called us to move forward. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, to talk a little bit more about that here in just a little bit. The storms of our embrace. So, so the Lord uses adversity to strengthen our spiritual muscles. And it makes sense when we encounter those things because of our problem. But when we do it in his will, we have to monitor our mindset. Don't live with a comfort mindset. We need to understand that we are in spiritual warfare. We just, we just celebrated Veterans Day. Are there any veterans in the room? If you're a veteran, raise your hand. Would you give thanks to all these people that just raised their hand? There's a lesson. There's a lesson in that for us, and that's the reason I asked about it. Because you know what? When people are deployed, I've known many soldiers that were deployed in active war zones like Afghanistan and places like that. And when, when, all the, when those soldiers are there, friends of mine that were there, when they were there and all of a sudden they came under attack, they didn't say, what in the world's going on? Why are they attacking us? They knew they were going to be attacked because they knew they were living in an active war zone and they were prepared for that attack and they were prepared for their response. So we have to understand, you can't live with a comfort mindset, you got to live with a combat mindset. you got to live with the mindset, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to be shocked when something comes against me. I'm going to be prepared for it and I'm going to move forward. And so... That talks about the instruction that they received. Now, uh, let's move real quick to uh, the second thought. And that would be to commit to never quit. You got to monitor your mindset. You got to commit to never quit. This talks about the priority of perseverance. This actually is the part of the story that talks about the storm blowing up. 
The disciples were well acquainted with storms in life. You know what? All of us know this because we probably all witnessed it. Some people are ruined by their storms, but other people are refined by their storms. How we navigate the storms of life will determine whether or not you are ruined or whether or not you are refined. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to be ruined by a storm in my life. I want to be refined by it. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be moved closer to God. I want to be prepared. I want to be trained. I want to become everything that he's called me to be. So they needed to move forward. They were wondering, I'm sure there was a conversation going on in that boat while they were literally, I mean, just the, the Bible says that they were out in the, in the very center. They were very close to the middle of the Sea of Galilee, which means that they were far from their comfort zone. They couldn't just jump out of the boat and swim back. They knew that if that boat sank, they were going to die. And so the scripture says that the waves were crashing buffeting against the boat. The scripture says that the wind was against them. Again, they were, they were experiencing an obstruction when they tried to follow his instruction. And we understand that. So the storm was blowing against them, trying to keep them from doing what Jesus said. And so the, they, were, they were out there and, and you know, it was like uh, the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the power of the Son of God, those disciples would have been lost. That's, that's to all my Gilligan fans. They were out there far from their comfort zone. Obstruction. We don't like it. Nobody likes it. But it's a normal and necessary part of life. God uses it. Over and over and over in the scriptures. He uses resistance. We understand this. Anybody in here ever been to the gym to work out? Three of you? Okay, good. <laughs> Anybody ever know anybody that goes to the gym regularly works out? All right, to get a 100% response. Does anybody ever heard of a gym? Okay. <laughs> so, all right. We understand it. When we go to the gym and we work out, when we continue to overcome the resistance of the weights in a, in a proper way, when we do that over and over and over again, it builds our strength and it builds our capacity to handle more. When, we, when, we're, when we're in the gym, we overcome the resistance of the weights, we get stronger and stronger. When we navigate the storms of life God's way, the proper way, we continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and more dangerous to the kingdom of the devil. We get more dangerous to the kingdom of the enemy when we become stronger and stronger and stronger because of overcoming resistance. And so we need to understand that. Now, Jesus appears. I love this part. Jesus appears. They've been struggling literally all night long. Tossed by the waves, afraid they were going to sink, wondering, why, Lord, did you send us into this? And the scripture says that we just read, the scripture says that that was basically the fourth watch of the night, something like that. It was, it was close before dawn. It might have been still dark out there. He comes walking on 
the stormy seas out to his disciples. Now, there's a couple of things that that shows us. One thing it shows us is this, that there is nothing that can stop Jesus from coming to your aid in the middle of your storm. If he has to absolutely defy the laws of gravity, the laws of physics, it doesn't matter what he has to do. Nothing can stop him from coming to you, to coming to your aid in the time of your storm. If he has to walk on waves to get to you, he's coming to you. I'm so glad that in every storm that we've been in, the Lord has walked out to us. The Lord has been there with us, and the Lord has brought us through by his power and by the power of his word and the power of his spirit. And so he's walking out on the water. Now, one little thing here. There's a lot. I've been studying this, this text for many, many years because God has used it to help us to navigate these storms we've talked about. What was the greatest threat? That the disciples faced. The wind was scary, but it was not their greatest threat. It was the waves that were crashing against the boat. That was the greatest threat that they faced because they knew if this boat sinks, we're dead. Now, those waves were crashing against the sides of the boat. So what does that mean? That means when Jesus came out walking on the water... He came out walking on their greatest threat. He was demonstrating something to them. He was showing them that whatever you're afraid of, whatever is threatening you, whatever you think is going to take you out is under my feet. It's under my authority. And I can walk all over anything that scares you to death. And so he can still do that today. No matter what you're afraid of, no matter what you're facing, no matter what storm is crashing against your life, he can walk all over it because it's under his authority. It's under his feet. And so he came walking out on their greatest threat. And he was, he was not only demonstrating that, he's going to, we're going to talk here just in a second, he was also declaring it, we'll never face anything. That's not securely under his authority. Now, here's another thing we, we need to understand. This goes back to monitoring your mindset. Those waves that were crashing against the sides of their boat was scary, but those were not necessarily the greatest threat. It's only the water that gets inside that causes a boat to sink. So no matter how many waves are crashing against your life, don't let it get inside. Don't let it get inside of you. What happens inside of you is going to make major more difference in your life than what happens to you. And so we can be out in a stormy sea and we can be buffeted by the waves, but we can't let it get inside. We have to keep our inside focused on him and on his will and his word. And we will not sink. We will not sink. And so anyway... Let's get to number three. Actually, before we do this, I want to do a little weird illustration. Everybody take a cell phone out. You're like, well, I've never had a preacher say that before in the middle of church. Yeah, take your, take your cell phone out. I want you to, I want you to take your, your phone and go into your photos app, your pictures. Go, in, go into your photos app, and I want you to choose a picture. Okay? Now, we don't have a whole lot of time for you to, to uh, go through your whole photos app, but uh, just choose one and, uh, and focus on that one picture. Okay, how many of you have got your, if you have your picture picked, say, got it. All right, now, I want you to study what's in that picture. I want you to look at it. Look at the details of what's in that photo. Look at the center. Look at the top. 
Look at the bottom. Look at the right. Look at the left. Look at the corners. Now I want you to take your fingers and zoom in on that picture. Here's the question. Can you still see everything you were seeing just a minute ago? No. Why not? Because you've zoomed in past it. Why in the world would I be having you do this in the middle of a Sunday morning service? Here's the reason. Because our human nature, when we have a crisis blow up, when we have a storm blow up, our human nature is to zoom in on that crisis and zoom in on that problem. And when we do that, this is one of the ways that we navigated adversity and, and thrived. We, we monitored our mindset. We trained ourselves to zoom back out of the crisis, even in the middle of the crisis moment, and look at the whole picture of everything that was in our life. And when we did that, we saw the blessing of God, the blessing of God, the blessing of God, the blessing of God, the healing of God, the blessing of God, the wisdom of God. And then, and then when we zoom back out, we see all of the good stuff. We have to train ourselves to gaze at the blessing and glance at the pain. We have to gaze at the blessing and glance at the pain. And when we do that, we are empowered to continue to move forward in our lives. And so we did it. We, that's one of the ways that we survived was we, we literally developed a, a culture of celebration in our life. We celebrated everything. The day Colton was born, it looked like nothing was going to go right. And then the day after that, there was one little report, one little report that seemed better. And we took the opportunity. It was almost like a little step that appeared out of nowhere. We stepped on that step and we praised God. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this. And we began to thank the Lord of everything in his body that was formed perfectly. And we began to thank. And when we did that, all of a sudden, the next day, there was another report. And it was a good one. And so we, now he did have to have a whole lot of surgeries, but he's still alive. And so the thing about it is, is we praised our way up out of the pit because we were looking at the blessing of God and looking at the things that he was doing. And that empowered us to navigate through the storms and watch God's hand bring Colton through all of that and us. Third thought, first was basically monitor your mindset. We looked at the instruction. The second one was commit to never quit. We looked at the obstruction, the storm. The third one is to seek God's purpose, and we're going to call this one the construction. This was the purpose of everything. Why did Jesus do this? He did it to build their faith to a brand new level. Jesus came out walking on the water, as we just said, and he said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. But you know what? The, the word there in the original that's translated into English as it is I, that same word is ego in me. And it is translated in many other places in the, in the New Testament, especially in the Gospel of John, where it's translated as I am. So Jesus was standing on water declaring that he was the son of God, but he was also demonstrating that he was the son of God. And he was letting them know, you don't have to be afraid because the great I am is walking on the water to come out to you in your storm. And so as soon as he said that to those Jewish boys, their minds went right back to Moses and the burning bush. 
when God said, you tell Pharaoh, I am has sent you because I am who I am. And so I want you to understand something this morning. No matter what storm you're in, the I am is with you. He is going to be with you. Nothing can stop him from coming to you. And so don't be afraid because the great I am is with you. And that's what he was declaring and that's what he was demonstrating when he was walking on the water. And so he said, I am. And it was a genuine word. Then Peter, you know, Peter's always the first one to speak up. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus went, come on. The Bible says, we just read it. He stepped out of the boat. He walked on the water. And he came towards Jesus. But his human nature got the best of him for a second there. And so... He was walking on the, he said, Lord, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. You know what? I don't believe that Peter was only walking on the water. I believe Peter was walking on the word. I believe that Jesus gave him the instruction and Jesus gave him permission to walk on the water. And when he stepped out of that boat, he was stepping down on the water, but it wasn't the water that was buoying him up. It was the fact that he was walking in obedience to what Jesus just told him. He had a word to walk on. And that's a lesson that we've learned over and over and over again. Most of these things happened to us a long time before smartphones and iPads and those kind of things. So we were praising God for whoever invented sticky notes. We would get a word to walk on in the storm that we were in. The Lord would show us a word from his scripture and we would focus on that. We would write it down on sticky notes, put it on the refrigerator, put it on the mirror in the bathroom, put it on the dash of the car, making sure that our eyes were always focused on the word that he gave us to navigate that particular storm. And, and God gave us a word to walk on. If you're in the middle of a storm, you're going to need a word to walk on. And so you need to get with the Lord and, and make sure that you're focused on him and listening to him. Let him give you that word to walk on. And he gave a word to, to Peter to walk on. And, and that one word was sufficient to keep him above the waves. Another thing that I love about this is that when Peter obeyed the word that Jesus spoke to him, it put the storm under Peter's feet. Not just Jesus' feet. It put the, when you obey the word that he gives you, it's going to put your storm under your feet, not just under his feet. He's going to give you the power to navigate the storms of life. And so Peter lost his focus. He was looking at Jesus. Sometimes I hear pastors preach on this passage and they just body slam Peter like it was a whole big failure. There's far more success in this for Peter than there was for failure. Far more success. He did get distracted, but there's so much treasure in this. He got distracted. He, he did. He, he slipped under the, he got, he lost his focus. He took his eyes off Jesus, started looking at the circumstances around him and he began to sink. But one thing that I want us to understand here. When he lost his focus, this is a principle we need to know. When he succumbed to distraction, he lost his traction. Now, I know that grammatically this is, may, may not be necessarily perfect for all you English teachers out here. But, the, you know, the word disappear is the opposite of the word appear. 
The words, you know, discouraged is the opposite of the word courage or being encouraged. And so in my mind, the word distraction is the opposite of traction. Because when we lose our focus on the word, he was, he had supernatural traction that was helping him to walk on the water closer and closer and closer to Jesus. But when he fell to distraction, he lost his traction. But there's another great thought here. He, he began to sink and immediately said, Lord, save me. The Bible says, how long did it take Jesus? Immediately, Jesus grabbed his hand. What does that show us? I believe it shows us this. When Peter lost his focus, he was one step from Jesus. One step. How many times do we lose our focus when we are one step from the victory that God has planted in our lives and we get distracted? I'm going to tell you something. When the intensity ramps up in the things around you to distract you, that's probably an indicator that you are closer to the victory than you think you are. So don't lose your focus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't do it. Keep your eyes on him and you'll keep walking toward him. And the, the Bible says they, claim, they climbed back in the boat. How did they climb back in the boat? Because they walked back to the boat. So for all those people that think that this was just a horrible, horrible failure on Peter's part, the truth of the matter is that in the Olympic sport of water walking, Peter still holds the silver medal. Jesus got the gold, but Peter still holds the silver medal in the Olympic sport of water walking. And so we can't say, wow, that's just a terrible, terrible thing. And then they climb back in the boat and we see the purpose for all of it. The text ends with saying this. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew records the disciples actively engaged in worshiping Jesus. This is also the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew records them saying, truly you are the Son of God. The day before this, they had witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. They had seen miracles and it's wonderful. We love it when we see God's miracles of provision. But there's nothing that will build your faith as high as it is built when he brings you through a storm in your life that you never thought you were going to make it through. Their faith shot to a whole other level and they worshipped him and they declared his lordship. And on the other side of that storm, God did greater things than he did before the storm hit. The day before, they were passing out filet of fish Happy Meals, <laughs> essentially. Uh, they were, they were, Jesus was doing some teaching and things. But if you read the text later on, what happened on the other side of that storm, it says every single person that came to Christ was totally healed of every sickness, every disease, every demonic possession, everything against him. So before the storm, it was a great blessing and it was a great, um, amazing thing to watch what Jesus did. But on the other side of that storm, people's lives were totally, totally, totally changed. And I believe that that's why God allows storms. On the other side of your storm, if you go through it God's way, You'll come out better instead of bitter. You'll come out stronger instead of weaker. 
And he wants to use you in a greater way than you ever thought possible when you come through your storm. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this. We give praise to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that God has given us. Sometimes what you see as trauma is really training. God is preparing you for a season when he wants to use you in a greater way than you ever thought possible. And that's not just for pastors and preachers. That's for every person who's in the body of Christ. He wants to use you in a greater way on the other side of your storm. And if you keep your eyes on him and you monitor your mindset and you commit to never quit and you seek his purpose in that storm, you'll come out on the other side and he'll use you in a powerful, powerful way. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I thank you and I praise you. Lord, thank you and I praise you for so many times. You have brought so many of us through the storms in life. Lord, we know that you have power over every storm that ever threatens us. And that we should trust and obey you, Lord, even when we don't understand our circumstances. And God, I pray that right now that your Holy Spirit would plant the seed of truth deep in us and that, Lord, those right now that need encouragement, those that are in the middle of a crisis, I pray that you would reach to them. I pray that you would, Lord, embrace them, wrap your arms around them, and I pray in the name of Jesus you would empower and strengthen them, Lord, to navigate this time and bring them through on the other side. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we give you the glory. We give you the honor. Lord, there is no one like you. There is no one that can walk on the threats that come against us. No one that can walk on the stormy seas like you. And God, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for it. Help us, I pray, to be encouraged and to be encouragers. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.